So the big question is this, are you tired of the hustle and grind of fix and flip? Do you really think you can wholesale your way to success? What you really want is a cash flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom, sunsets and palm trees on your terms. But what if you're stuck because you have no capital, no time and no idea where to start? That ends now. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started out with no money or credit and quickly grew a portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. Not to mention, he did it all with other people's money. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. So now, here's your host, The Big Kahuna, Corey Peterson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson. We have got an amazing show today. We are just coming off of, when we're recording this, Veterans Day. And there's not a better idea than to have a veteran come on the show and talk about what they do and and their journey. And so my next guest, his name is Phil Capron. Um, He purchased his first property in Norfolk, Virginia while serving in the U.S. Navy. He's a uh, naval special warfare combatant craft crewman. Try to say all that in one sentence, okay? He's practiced uh, small tactics with Navy SEALs. You know, he's got an amazing story. Five years, 30 flips later, he's into the multifamily business and space. Um, he's crushing it. And he has a new book out that we'll let him talk about. But uh, with that said, Phil, welcome to the show, brother. Corey, what's up, my friend? Great to see you. Thanks so much for having me on. Man, so special podcast day, I think. My brother was in the Army for 12 years. Uh, you, you, you served in the Navy. Uh, my son wants to, he's 16 right now, and he wants to be a Navy SEAL. Um, so he really is, you know, that's where his track is. And I've asked him, like, hey, do you want to college? He's like, I don't know, Dad. I think I just want to go in the military. And so I'm, I'm actually, you know, I'm pretty excited. You're, you're nervous at first as, as, as a parent, but you've got some, a really neat story. Let's, let's unfold that, man. Let's, let's talk about kind of how you got it. How you get in real estate, man? <laughs> so my, my venture into real estate was definitely not the traditional path. I did an assorted number of crazy things in my early adulthood before, you know, joining the Navy. I was an ocean lifeguard. I played a couple sports in college, swimming and water polo. I traveled around everywhere east of the Mississippi with a punk rock band playing drums. I played poker professionally for a couple of years in the mid 2000s. And then, you know, at 23 years old, I was like, what am I doing with my life? I ran into, uh, you know, my best friend from high school and, you know, he was talking about his time in the military. I said, you know what, that, that sounds kind of cool. I, I looked into it and before I knew it, I was away at boot camp, then on to special ops training in, in Coronado. And good job with the pronunciation of Naval Special Warfare Combatant Craft Crewmen. It's definitely a mouthful. What they are is the guys that take Navy SEALs and other special operations forces to and from their missions in maritime environments, Um, jumping out of planes, driving fast boats, shooting big guns. So it's a pretty, pretty cool way to spend a few years. Definitely had some interesting experiences there. The way that it may have changed me the most was giving me the opportunity to purchase my first property utilizing what's called the VA or Veterans Administration Loan. And if you've never heard of that, it enables service members and qualifying veterans to purchase a primary residence at 0% down, which is pretty cool. You know, being multifamily guys... That's pretty cool. That's way cool, right? Right? So being multifamily guys, we know about the, the power of leverage, 
but uh, you know, it's it can be a tool that that works for us, but it could also really mess us up if we use it improperly. So, you know, I bought my first property in Norfolk, as you mentioned, four bedroom property, quarter million bucks on the mortgage, zero down. I even got a little bit of money back at closing to pay off some debt because of how the VA uh, works, which is pretty rad. But what I did is I actually moved in three of my buddies from my unit. So I had the master bedroom with like the jetted tub, the tile shower to the nines, right? Yeah. And my buddy in the in-law suite paid 800 bucks and the other two guys paid 600 bucks each for the third and fourth bedroom. My mortgage payment was 1350. So I paid some expenses with utilities and upkeep, maybe 400 bucks a month, but I was living for free and making money and sort of the light bulb went off. I didn't, you know, I didn't mean to be a house hacker. It just seemed like I wanted to have my buddies around and I wanted to give them a place to live for cheap. And I was like, wait a second, there's something to this. So, yeah. yeah. So well, hold on, let's just unpack that for just a minute. Cause this is called being resourceful. I think at the end of the day, being resourceful is a big component. You were resourceful enough to say, Hey, here's the idea. And this is at a young age. I mean, most people at 23 are not thinking this way, bro. Right. Good for you. You're right. Most, most aren't, most are more concerned with, okay, I just got this cool signing bonus. Here's another th- advantage of being in the military. You know, if you're doing like a special program or even if you're not, if they're in need of manning, they'll offer like a signing bo- bonus. So I got it like 30 grand or something, you know, for signing up at the time as they needed people or fighting wars and whatnot, but reenlistment, same idea, deployments, you're out somewhere, you can't spend a ton of money and you're making per diem and hazard pay this, that, and the other thing you know, these guys and gals are returning home with, you know, a good chunk of money and they'll go drop it on a Harley or a Charger or a Mustang. And that's, it's a mistake. So, you know, my book, Your VA Loan and How It Can Make You a Millionaire is, you know, it's like a 101 level. It's an introduction into how real estate works and how I've taken it from one little house to, you know, 245, you know, uh, apartments is my current portfolio. Dude, that's amazing, right? So even thing we were just talking about before the show too, of, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure the VA will let you buy like a duplex or triplex or if a quad, if you can find a quad, I mean, they're hard to find, right? But like, listen, I mean, even a duplex, take the same idea, buy a duplex, rent out to your buddies for your rooms and then rent out the other side. Now you're, I mean, 100%. it only gets better the more you can think about how to leverage 0% down. Exactly. So, you know, living with roommates is not going to be right for everyone. Maybe you're yep. you know, married with a family or maybe you just don't like people. I don't know. So in the book, we, we run through a few different examples. The worst possible case is if a service member elects to live on base after they're allowed to move off of base. Because what they'll do, um, the military, is they will give you a place on base and you don't have to worry about anything. But you lose what's called your basic allowance for housing. It's a clean swap. Yeah. And in my, just for a quick example, in my, you know, market when I was there, it was like 1300 bucks a month for my low rank. And so my mortgage payment was 1350, but I figured out a way to make 2000. So really that 1300 was all mine and then some. So if you live on base, you get nothing, right? It's a right. clean walk. If you move off a of base and do what I call like a rent arbitrage, you go find a, an apartment for a thousand bucks and you move in yourself you make, quote unquote, 300 bucks that you're saving in your basic allowance for housing. If you move a roommate into that apartment, same metrics, 500, 500, now you're making 800 bucks or saving 800 bucks, quote unquote. 
But if you buy your own house, the mortgage payment's a grand, you're making the 300 bucks, and then you're adding amortization, appreciation, depreciation, and all the other fun stuff that we love about real estate on a higher level. And then if you do what Corey's suggesting here, which would be the, you know, the, the ultimate creme de la creme, if you get a duplex, triplex, or quad, and you don't even have to share, share common space with these folks and obtain income from them, that's, yeah, how can you do better than that? But if, if you're okay with, with having people share space with you, you know, renting stuff out by the room can be more cash, but you also inherit a little bit more potential for headache. When you yeah. So there's a little, there's a trade-off, but when you're 23, who cares? Like I was 23. I like, I had roommates, like it's almost a fact of life of when you go and try to like start out in the world, you might, you're, you know, there's a reason why you have roommates because it financially, it all makes sense. And so you have to give and take, but you want to be the ringleader and the, the master puppeteer that's saying, Hey, I've got the idea. And then you bring the people together because for them, they're, the people that you were renting your place, that, that was, that's a win for them. 600 bucks. They're, they're saving the money. They're just not getting all the advantages of real estate. Because they're getting a base allow, allowance too, right? So they're getting yeah. their 1300 bucks, and they just parlayed it to save six or seven, right? Mm-hmm. By coming into your room. So maybe so, that's the payment on that Mustang that they have to have. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yet you're building true wealth. So you do this, and then let's talk about how you got into your first multi. By accident. <laughs> so I'm sure that you hear this this story a lot. I mean, look, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad in 2000, what nine or ten? You know, early on in my military career, I understood you know assets versus liabilities. You know, scaling out a real estate portfolio, it all made sense academically. I even picked up books on duplexes and quads, and you know, I was like a serial educator of myself at that point. But I didn't right. do anything with it. I bought my house and then. You know, I actually had a, a duplex under contract when I found out I was getting out of the military. They denied my loan when they found out I was getting out, which was a huge bummer. So I would have had it for seventy thousand, thirteen hundred in place rent back then, and it just sold again for two hundred and fifty. Made oh, me want to cry <laughs> that I didn't. I wasn't resourceful enough to figure out how to get that money other than from the one lender that had approved me at that time. Wow. Sorry, quick tangent there. So moving, moving on through the single family space, which is where most people start and guys like us, Corey and, you know, Michael and Rod and, you know, everyone were like, just get into multifamily, do your first deal, just do it. But that's really scary when you don't even own your own home. Yeah. You've never managed tenants before. You're like, how could I buy this 20 unit apartment building? You can do it, but it's, it's, it's just a language that. It's a lot more work that you're going to, than you plan on. Yeah. But it's also one of the biggest learning curves, right? So, I mean, these are skills that you're going to have to have if you want to keep playing the game. But we're trying to build cash flow is what the goal, ultimate goal is. Right. And, and, and it's funny because as you progress in your real estate career, like looking back now, somebody, if somebody sent me the 13 plex that was my first multifamily, I wouldn't even look at it. You just say so, no, right? To actually get back to your question. Sorry, I have a way of tangenting sometimes. and going it's okay. On I do the middle. same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like two peas in a pod. I was still working as a real estate agent, flipping a fair amount of houses. I mean, maybe 30, 35 in my career, something like that. So this 13 plex came on the market. I took a, a buddy of mine who had about 30 units at the time because I figured I could sell this to him and make, you know, 30 grand commission or whatever. Yep. And he and the seller couldn't come to terms. And so communicating with the other broker, 
he's like, well, the seller will do owner financing. And I was like, he'll do owner financing. And my buddy's like, I don't care. I've got my own money. He's like, he doesn't care, you know? And uh, the broker's like, well, would you buy it? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll buy it. So <laughs> yeah, I'll buy it. I did literally, Corey, I did literally everything wrong. I'm like touring the units. They're like, oh, you don't, need, you don't need to look in that one. It's good. It looks like the other one. I'm like, oh, perfect. Love it. <laughs> All yeah, right. And, that and, was and these the people, that they're was paying burned. their rent on time, right? <laughs> right. This little, this little, uh, you know, eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper with a chicken scratch on it. Like those are the actual, fin- yeah, good as gold. <laughs> so I did it all wrong. But fortunately, <laughs> I, I negotiated a fantastic deal for myself that the first uh, six months, I wasn't paying interest only. That's a common loan product. I paid principal only. Nice. So instead of a $5,000 a month payment, I paid. 800 for the first six months. And that so allowed you to that like cut your teeth and like oh, figure out all the things that were wrong. Exactly. It gave me enough money to, to, to fix the stuff that was inevitably screwed up. <laughs> so, but then I got to the end of the principal only period and I was like, huh, I'm not making very much cash flow. I was using, you know, making four, five, six thousand dollars a month during the first six months. And now it's dropped down to something normal. I'm going to raise all the rents at once. That was the wrong thing to do. Lost half the tenants. And then I was, I had to go rent out the units. As you know, the turn cost and the vacancy cost is the biggest thing that we have to deal with. Kills profit. Operators. Yeah. So anyway, I learned some, some hard and expensive lessons, you know, beat my head against the wall with this little 13 plex. So what that, you're saying, so what you're saying is it's not all sunsets and palm trees. No, sir. Right? <laughs> Sometimes you got to roll up, but you did it anyways. Right. That's the thing I was taught. I can't remember who I was speaking with yesterday. But they're like, well, what's the like the one thing? I was like, well, you actually have to do something. And they're like, how cliche? I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. But that's the difference between the big kahunas in the world of, of the world and the yeah, the folks that are they don't Sitting have a real sideline, right? And they're working 60 hours a week and looking forward to one Friday or Saturday night, and that's like their life. So the on that one deal, what do you think your biggest like looking back and reflecting? What's your biggest lessons on that? Just I mean, because because I think this is real relevant for people that are starting out. That you know, because a lot of people that's where they're going to start out. They're like, hey man, hundred units scares the living bejesus out of me. I want to go buy a fifteen, even though I'll tell them tell their like it's easier to do the hundred unit deal, but yep. no one believes me. But you, the fifteen unit deal seems very achievable. What would you tell yourself now that you didn't? I would. Then? I would have partnered with someone with some experience and taken less. When you don't have yourself, you're really concerned about keeping all of the deal. So I kept 100% of a grape, as my buddy Matt Aitchison likes to say. It's better to have a slice of watermelon than a whole grape. And I ended up with a whole grape and dealing with the seeds. You know, uh, (laughs) That's a great analogy, man. (laughs) If I could do it again, I would have brought the gentleman who passed on it, I said, look, can I cut you in for 30% and like, just make sure I don't completely screw this up. It would have prevented my due diligence mistakes. It would have reset my expectations on rents and renter relations. But I learned so many great lessons from that property. I don't, I don't regret it. Yeah. You know? like, I don't regret it, but I spend more time on that little thing than I do on my hundred units on my 82 units on the other 20 plexes and little deals. So the bigger deals that you've done and Italy are a little bit more easier to do. And why do you think that is? 
because they there's enough cash being thrown off of these deals. There's there's enough opportunity that you can hire real professionals and partner with real professionals. Yep. People staff, right? Property managers, lawyers, lenders. All these people are conspiring to make you gobs and gobs of money if you let them. You have to be willing to pay them. And when you haven't done a deal, I I found that the same thing when I flipped my first house. I had a great project and I rode the thing all the way down to the point that I brought a thousand dollars to closing to pay to sell my house. When if I would have taken the first offer I received, I would have made eighteen five on my first flip. But I had in my mind that it had to be a twenty five thousand dollar paycheck because it took so long to get that first deal, and I was in a state of scarcity. Now I'm like, you know, I'm partnering on a high level, and I like to stay in my lane and the stuff that I'm good at, which tends to be like the broker facing, seller facing negotiation, you know, side of the business, and let someone else deal with you know, the nitpicky underwriting, someone else deal with the bank's idiosyncrasies, the title work, SEC compliance, all that. Dude, so that's a great point, man. So I see a lot of new people make this mistake is they really feel like they have to go out into the world and the be all do all. And you just said it, and I think this is the truth, is that multifamily is is a team sport. It's a it's bigger team sport than most people even think about. Not enough people talk about it enough, I don't think of how much it really is a team sport. And so, I mean, think about the deals that you're in now, Phil, you know, what's different in, in, because you have people, what's different? Do you feel, you know, in the overall feel of the running of these assets? It's just so much less stress when the buck doesn't entirely stop with you as the deal sponsor for most of the stuff that I'm involved in, you know, ultimately the buck stops with me. But if we take it back to like the military example, you know, if I'm the captain of the ship, Corey, maybe you're running my weapons department. Maybe someone else is doing medical. Someone else is doing comms. And that would be like, you know, the construction, the lending, the title, SEC, investor relations. You know, I've got the best folks that are doing those things for me. Could I dive in and do any one of them? Absolutely. I know the jobs. I just don't love to be in the trenches every day. I'm, I'm up at 10,000 feet. And I've got right. people on the ground that are doing some other things. It's well, look, the I'm commander not, of the ship. Right. Uh, you know, and look, I'm not, I'm not the biggest operator in the world. My portfolio relative to a lot of the folks that are on your show, relatively small, you know, 245 units. Um, I believe I won the highest and best on another hundred. So that's going to shake out over the next so couple of So this is a good episode because not. see, I think this is the reality. Sometimes by having too many big people on a show, people forget that like, we didn't all, I didn't get there. I might start off small. Right. And so, you know, it's only now that, you know, it's different, but like, I think there's a lot of people out there that, that need that piece, right? Like to hear it. And so, I mean, tell me what 245 has done so far for you. Like internally, what kind of life is that doing? Like what's, I mean, what's I the benefits I don't, I don't of where a, you're at? I don't have a job. <laughs> this is my job. <laughs> You know, so like, am I out on yachts and stuff and flying around the helicopter? No, but I'm living very happy and content life, um, at least in my definition of it. And that's the thing. Everyone's metrics are different. I know that, yes. that you've got your mastermind group. That sounds amazing, by the way. I do do some coaching for, um, you know, your friend, Michael Blanc. Yeah. And, you know, the early conversations I have with, with new folks in the multifamily spaces, where are you going? 
And there's this danger if you perceive your life to be so bad that you have to escape immediately, like you have to hit this grand slam, you're setting yourself up for failure. You're not going to make anything in this business in six months that is going to radically transform it. But if you look back three, five years from when you started doing your first 10 plex, 20 plex, whatever, and you rack up a couple hundred units and actually maintain a significant ownership stake in, in them, you're going to be really happy about where you're going. You're going to be really happy. You're going to be really happy. Dude, I'm, I'm sitting here, we're talking, and I'm hearing my dogs behind my desk. Oh, I, I see. I don't know if you yeah. can hear her, yeah, yeah. but uh, she's hear. snoring so bad right now. <laughs> Uh, it's not coming. It's not coming through. But I, I saw him walking around. Oh, but you just said something. If you stay in it for the long term, and here's another mistake I think I see a lot of people make is that they sell too early. You know, like they just try to make and they become. They think of it like a fix and flip business instead of the passive income business. They're flipping apartment buildings. Yeah. Yeah. To me, this business, it's too much work and the great assets out there are a little too hard to find that I want to dispose of them. I've got a couple projects I'm probably willing to part with because yep. the market's insane right now. Yes. Because I could redeploy that capital and widen my pyramid more. Yes. Um, and actually create more cash flow. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't, this is getting into a bigger discussion. I, I don't love the model of picking up properties and disposing of them after 24 months, 36 months or five years. Yeah. I'm trying to be a real estate buyer. We are too. So, you know, so I struggle with this myself too. So I'll give you an example of a deal we got, right? So we've got a deal that I bought for 12.7 million that I think we can sell for 18 million right now. Whoa. And it's a good cash flowing <laughs> deal, right? It spits off a lot of money. But I'm like, gosh, could I take the $5 million profit and really redeploy that as my money? Now I'm not only, you know, I could probably do my own syndication on my own deal right. and be complete, just complete owner of the whole thing. You buy a $20, myself, million, $20 million deal and it's just you. There's no... There's no partners. There's nothing. There's no nothing. Yeah. And like, you look at it, you're like, gosh, I don't know. I, you know, maybe, maybe I can, maybe, you know. And so that's the real struggle because then the other part of that is you got to find the next deal to sink it into. Now, like anything, I'm, a, I'm an optimist and I believe that that's, we'll find another deal. We always do, right? But that is a real big thing. And, and so I think you only sell properties if you can really get a true like, wow, this is quite a bit. This is actually mm -hmm. a lot more than we were thinking. Exactly. Right? Um, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that a hundred percent, unless it's just the assets causing you problems. Like the 13 plex yeah. where, where stuff's trading in my market right now, I'd probably unload that if I could get, you know what I mean? Like I've got a number in my head and I've yeah. talked to a couple of brokers like, yeah, we'll get it for you. I'm like, I might give you a shot. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's yeah. how the conversation goes. Like, well, yeah. wouldn't think about it, but, and w what a great position to be in if you're going to sell something that you don't have to sell. Right. Because yeah. then it, it changes the game completely. Well, if someone gives me the right amount, yeah. So that's negotiation 101, right? And it's something I dive into in pretty good detail in the book yeah. is when you're using, if you're a young service member or veteran, you're using your, veter your VA loan, like this really grinds my gears. So sorry about the quick, quick tangent. Um, when I was selling real estate, there would be agents in the office and they'd be like, hey, we've got a veteran, we've got a you know, a Navy guy coming from California has got to have a contract this weekend on a house. What kind of negotiation power do you have when you must have a ratified contract in two days? God forbid the listing agent finds out that that's your situation. 
So, right? you know, it's not I, I going to go that. well for him. Like yeah, you, you want to buy, you don't need to. Yeah. And to do like my VA loan system properly, that's the, that's the posture you need to adopt. If you can't obtain an asset for my, you know, benchmark is, is that you should be buying it at least 10% below market with the opportunity to do a little forced appreciation, you know, a little handyman sweat equity stuff. Yeah. To recoup, you know, another five-ish, 10-ish percent would be perfect because then if you transfer, you can cash out into a conventional and reuse your VA loan again. Boom. So, There's the real key to that whole process is to use it, is. it again. Again and again. Because if you just, if you do that with a two, three years in the military and you buy it right, you got 10% over the next three or four years, you either appreciate because a little market help or because of the new floors you put in or you painted or got rid of the, the cat smell, figure out the other 10, you can cash out of that thing, do it again, even at a modest price point, like 200 or 250,000, you'll retire after a 20 year career as a net worth millionaire. And I mean, what, what's wrong you with, do that? with that is up to you, whether you want to cash everything, start a, start a business that you know uh, resonates with you and you want to make your life's work, whether you want to take off around the Mediterranean, Mediterranean with your, your old lady or the kids or you know whatever, I, I want you to be able to have some options after a life of service. Yeah. Um, what, I, what I'd really love is if, you know, with money not being so much of an object, if you'd go back and, you know, teach school or if you'd, you'd coach football or little league or yeah. work church. Yeah. Or run for talk about, talk about teaching because you're teaching your, uh, one of Mike, Michael's uh, coaches, right? Yep. So uh, tell me about that. Why do you coach? And um, yeah, I just want to hear, I, I like to hear the, this point. Selfishly, it keeps me a lot sharper than I would be otherwise because I'm getting dropped into Oklahoma city for one call. And it's not like I just hop on the call and I'm like, well, what are we doing? Like, I'm going to get on CoStar. I'm going to look at the comps. I'm going to check their assumptions. We're going to go through that syndicated deal analyzer. And, you know, we're working to get these students and mentees, their first apartment deal within a year. Like that's, yeah. that's our goal. That's what we're doing. And you know, it's not just like I sit there and, and check, you know, underwriting, like we have to dig into markets. So you know, I'm doing Oklahoma city one day, I'm doing Memphis the next, and then Detroit and I'm in Baltimore and, you know, central Florida. So yes. And I get to see what different operators are doing because if we're going to seriously pursue a, a deal, you know, a student deal in Houston, I, I got to call around. I got to talk to the brokers too. I yep. have to talk to the property managers and I say, this line item doesn't look quite right. What's up with these utilities? Well, actually, rubs is, we're not doing that anymore. I was like, what do you mean you're not doing rubs? Yeah, we've gone to digital submetering. Really? Yeah, it lets us know if anybody's like out of whack. So it'll tell us if we've right. got a leak or, I didn't know that. You know, I, I don't remember what, what uh, deal I learned that from, you know, months ago, but we're working on doing digital submetering across our portfolio now. So instead of getting 30 bucks a month for water and, still being the worst of it. I think the project I'm thinking of like 25, 30,000 a year on water. Yeah. It's going to be a hundred percent wash minus the equipment fee. So maybe 93% paid for See, it. It's so a massive expense. And I, so it keeps me sharp. That like, is a key and I also, I also love it. I just love watching people get deals because I'm an action guy, you know, yep. jumping on a plane, shooting big guns, stuff like that. Like I love the action and, in this market, I can't always have the action for myself. 
Right. Dude, that's a great, that's a great analogy. Why? why Cause I think people, even in, from me, I'm like, why do I do my podcast? Why do I teach what I know? Um, because it does. Why do I, why do I have great guests? Right. Because it really being a student of the game, I'm always a student and I always should be teaching what I know. I believe no matter who you are, where you're at in life, teach what you know. And because you only get better at it. And the more you teach it, you'll become more of a master at it. And then it, then you have the, uh, once you become a master of something, you have the capacity now to add different flavors and different things, just like what you just did. That was a really easy assimilation because you already kind of mastered most of the stuff. And now you can just take the things that really make sense. Like, that's a great idea. I want to implement that. Or we should look mm-hmm. at implementing this to what we're doing. You know what's a, what that's a pretty good segue into? Copying your way to success. <laughs> See what I did there? Oh, that's awesome. How's yeah. your book going, man? It's on it's on my order for Amazon, but I got a pile of books. I got Vinny's, I got yeah. Matt Faircloth's Raising Private Money. I like crushing it in commercial, you know, by Brian Murray. I I just got like 10 or 12 books from Amazon. Because when I was releasing my own, I was like, What's everyone else doing? And I was like, oh, Corey yeah. literally just released a book about copying your way to success, which is what I'm looking for. Right? It's, a great, it's a great book title, right? <laughs> you know, because that, that really is my mantra, as I've never been that smart. And the book's going to do well. We actually have a, a real – so I believe we're going to get on Ellen. So we're, I'm just telling you, I'm putting it out in the universe right now. Saw that. Yep. I'm going to get on Ellen with this book because it's such a timely hook. In that, you know, in the days of Felicity, Felicity Huffman, uh, you know, pay for play to get into colleges, college scandals, the biggest corporations in the world like Amazon, um, you know, uh, Microsoft, Apple, they don't even require degrees anymore to work for their companies. What they want more than ever is experience. Well, how do we get experience? We get it through mentors and job experiences and people in our lives. And, you know, that's how I did it because I barely met out of high school. And I wasn't the, the smartest the, kid in class. We're the, we're the same dude. I dropped out of college as a, as a fifth-year senior to travel around with my band. As it was bad. I mean, the whole last year I was going to class, like, not often. Like, I routed all my classes Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So yeah. we could leave and do a show Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And I could maybe roll back in on Tuesday morning, but probably not. So. <laughs> but, you know, but it works. And so, but, like, listen, you've, you've written a book, dude. I mean, I wrote a book and literally true. chapter number one, I think the first words is you can go on Amazon and like do the preview or whatever, but it's like, I'm a college dropout. I barely did the five page papers like 15 minutes before they're due. Why did I do this to myself? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but you did. And that's, uh, that is also another, uh, Hey, Phil, congratulations on that. Cause I know it, what it takes to get a book done and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of Thank blood, you. sweat, and tears. But it sets you so much. Uh, so everybody, first of all, everybody should be write a book. Everybody has a book that they want to write. And the way to start it is to start, right? <laughs> Lay out your chapters and then start writing the chapters, right? Just get into it and start writing. And don't even worry about grammar. Just get words out on paper. Record yourself if you have to. There's lots of ways to do it. But how did you write your book? So I started out... You know, we're always looking to do things easier, faster, better, right? Yep. So I started walking up and down the beach in Virginia Beach where I lived at the time and just, you know, 
like not voice to text, but just voice. Like this is what I'm, what I'm riffing on for the next half an hour. And then I compiled all that stuff. And I was like, this didn't really work. So then I did it the way you're talking about. I sort of mind mapped. Okay. This is this, this is the theme that real estate when properly applied and leveraged over the course of time can lead to real, you know, wealth and financial freedom. The people that I care most about are my brothers and sisters in arms. So, you know, I want them to be able to have options when they separate or retire. This is the way that I know how they can do that. So I'm going to share it with them. So we're talking about, you know, you know, the elements of real estate, how to get discounts, how not to use things, and just kind of went down the list and, and, and padded it out. And there's still some stuff in there. Here's the thing about writing a book. You're never going to be happy yeah. with what it is. So I got on, can't remember whose show, but someone's show. And I was like, yeah, it's out you know, November 11th. And it came out. I had to do it. I had to hit publish. So there's some things in there that you know I likely will change around. But I already received a couple phone calls from people that are like, hey, we read this and it makes sense. And I know what my next action step is. It's beautiful. You know, I don't think I'm going to sell a million copies or anything like that. But if I can change the trajectory for a few military members and veterans, then hey, it was worth it. There's always a second edition you can always create. Yeah. And yeah. always, I believe this, version one is always better than version none. That's right. 100%. Right? Yeah. And so, but how did it feel when, let's say that you're a published author? Because even if it's self-publishing, it's still called a published author. Right. So, I think it's too soon to know. It yeah. Drew, the book I mean, dropped really didn't yesterday. Do it, right? And, you know... <laughs> Um, it's actually, this is crazy. My one, my one buddy, um, who's like more into this stuff and, and coached me through a lot of like, this is how you upload it. This is how you format it. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, dude, you're the number one new release in three categories, like big categories. I'm like, no kidding. And I hopped on. I was like, rad. I mean, feels good, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't think I'm going to know for a while, but if more text messages and phone calls come in, like the couple that I got today, like, Hey, it was an easy read, you know? 180 pages or whatever, knocked it out last night. And I know this is what I'm doing next. Then it's going to be all worth it. So, I mean, it's cool. Yeah. And, exactly. and if people don't like it, you know what? They probably didn't write a book. It's, hard. <laughs> it's really hard, especially for an ADD freaking dude like me, really hard. But you know, I did it and now I'm going to go on and do the next thing. Yeah. It is all about doing the next thing, right? Like, so if you're out there right now and you're listening to this episode in, you know, book, Everybody has a book in their in their mind. It's usually it's their journey. The first book is always about your journey. I've, I feel like you know, or, or like you know that you're telling about the journey, how you did it, how you used your VA and it set you free, right? That's usually the, that's everybody's first book, and everybody's got a different way uh, that you got there, um, and it doesn't even have to be real estate related. Like, but I mean, obviously, it was a real estate podcast, but I just think everybody has a story they want to tell, and. Dude, there's nothing more powerful than getting your, your story on paper. And in today's age, with the Amazons of the world, it is the easiest way to publish. It's more simpler now than ever to become an author. And with the Kindles and the Amazons and, and all the things, like you don't have to have copies. You don't have to have a whole uh, you know, publishing house with a, worth copies that may or may not sell. You can just click the button and it goes directly to your iPhone. And you, that's how most of us read anymore. What about the audio version? That is going to, 
it's going to come out in 2020. I want to let this sit for probably till the end of the year. Yep. Um, a wise man once said, I don't know who the wise man was, but he said it, that your first book, you should take it, put it in your desk drawer and never look at it again. You ever heard of that one? Huh. Who's that? Who said that? I don't know. I don't know. Like literally, I don't know who said it. So I'm just going to say a wise man. And I think that's probably pretty good advice, but I hit publish on mine. <laughs> so I'm going to let it sit. I published mine too, bro. And then so, I'm going to, I'm going to read it and I'm going to say, okay, what could I describe better? You know, is there any area in which, uh, is it, it's never going to be done, you know, but I'm going to take another crack at it. And I'm, uh, launching a podcast by the same name that I'm hoping I can have a new veteran on every week that's used their VA loan. They can describe how they negotiate oh, the deal, that's a great you know, idea, where man. it's going, what they've built since. To, to prove concept. That's the powerful thing about having, you know, guys like me versus Call my brother, you know, <laughs> I'll give my yeah. brother to come on. Like he's, be great. he's getting ready to build a new house with his VA loan. He's like, dude, it's so awesome. Yeah. That's, that's a creative use yeah. of the VA for sure. That's new construction, you know, it's possible. Most people don't go that route. So I definitely would love to, to learn about, about that. Yeah. But you know, it's proving concept is so important because when you see, you know, I, I don't know, like the the Vinnies, the Neil Bowers, the Rod Cleefs, the Michael Blancs, the Corey Petersons of the world. You're like, how do I do that? It makes no sense, you know. So actually, the first couple of chapters of my book, it's you know, it's talking about a pretty rough military journey that I that I had. Yeah, and I'm no better than anyone that's listening to this, anyone that's worn the uniform. So you know, if I can figure this thing out, certainly you can. And it's that, that I think is what stops a lot of people. So my podcast is based in, you know, not people that are in the stratosphere. It's regular folks that are working yeah. one step in front of the other to, you know, achieve financial freedom. Cool brother. Well, listen, man, I want to take the, just say uh, thank you for coming on the podcast uh, real quick. If you could give anybody, uh, you know, your best piece of advice, what would it be? Best piece of advice is not to let education drag you down. You know, we went a little bit into the education thing and the college degree thing. Look, education is great, but if you don't do anything with it, it was, you know, it was just an act of entertainment. It feels really good to read a book or to listen to a podcast and hear something that resonates with you and be like, yeah, it's gone 10 minutes later. What's you the, have to be yeah. delivered and plan your next step of action and you have to take it. And if you do that consistently, you're going to look back in a few years and you're going to be really happy. So a book, if I can make a referral, that is like really blown my mind about how to do that and how to break it down is The Miracle Equation by Hal Elrod. Yep, I was just um, going to say, what is your, I would give us your favorite book you recommend. Oh, yeah. Well, so just rolled right into that one. You know, The Miracle Equation by Hal Elrod. I'm not sure if you had a chance to talk to him in Dallas or not, but man, what a story. And that one just, just hit me right in the chest. Yeah. Bars. He had a great, amazing story, dude. Yeah. The guy's been through some adversity, mm-hmm. right? And he still has a positive outlook on life. It's crazy. Yeah. Looking back at your experience thus far, what would you never do again? Or like, what's the worst thing that ever happened? You were like, dude, you say, Hey, make a roadblock here or make, make change course. What I would never do again. That's tough. Cause I've done a lot of crazy stuff in my life, Corey. This is a little cliche, but every every bit of it's led me to where I am. There's some stuff that I wouldn't want to repeat. You know, certain parts of my military journey, as I mentioned, that are described in this book are not fun. You know, the worst times of my life, I don't want to repeat them again. So let me take that and kind of extrapolate. The worst part about it 
was failing and then attaching that event to my being, we're all going to fail. And I think um, an area in which military members are uniquely qualified versus the general population is we're constantly in, in training and in combat. If you've been to combat, I have not. But if you've been, I'm sure you can relate to this. You're put in unwinnable situations. And what that makes you is resourceful, adaptable, and you realize that, hey, it didn't kill you. I'm going to get up and do it again, and I'm going to take what I learned. But in the, you know, the, the world that is, and it's particularly the education system, you know, we're working on standardized tests and, and avoiding failure like the plague. So if you can take a failure, if you can get punched in the teeth, and then just realize, hey, okay, that's over, what happened, what I learned from it, and move on, that's, that's what I would, would never do again, is I would never allow a failure or setback to define me for an extended period of time. Oh man, that's powerful, dude. That's very, that's very powerful. Phil, man, thanks for taking the time to come on guys. If you've not done so take the time to go get his book. Uh, let's give me, give me, give me the book one more time and it'll be in the show notes as well. It's your VA loan and how it can make you a millionaire available on Amazon and Kindle and, uh, and paperback now just, uh, that finally just got approved. So oh, right on. Excited well, about that. congratulations. And if people want to figure out uh, how, they, how do they get a hold of you, brother? Probably my website's the best way or Facebook uh, website, Phil Capron, P-H-I-L-C-A-P-R-O-N.com or Facebook by the same name. You know, send me a, send me a message along with a friend request saying you, you heard me uh, on Corey's show and I'll definitely make sure to add you. Cool. Guys, if you're, uh, if you're a veteran right now and you're listening to this episode, unlock the power of your VA. Um, it, that is a powerful tool. And, uh, you know, uh, by the time this gets aired, it's going to be past Veterans Day. I get it. But it still doesn't mean that we weren't thinking about it. And, um, you know, it really is important. It's an important day. Uh, freedom is not free. It is paid for with the blood um, and, and, and the, the service of our, our servicemen and women across all the armed forces. Uh, it's very important to be, at the end of the day, we're all Americans. And I think I've got my Team USA shirt on today. I'm representing, you know, the power of your guys is, the power of your mind is everything. It really is everything in the world. Anything that, that can be done starts with an idea. And, uh, you know, take the ideas that are on the podcast today, formulate a plan, make, make them yours. If you believe it, you can achieve it and your paradise is possible. God bless.